Let's now turn our hearts to Scripture. Before we do so, let's pray together. Oh God, open your good news to us and open us to your good news that we may find ourselves caught up in your blessing. In the Spirit of Christ we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 5. This is one of the most familiar and beloved texts in all of scripture. Let's listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I heard a segment on NPR the other day with this ear-catching title, The Pessimistic Generation, How Grown-Ups Can Grow Up and Give Kids Some Hope. And the segment actually focused on the mental health of young people and the rising indicators of anxiety and depression and loneliness. You name it. A global pandemic, economic instability, dysfunctional politics, racial injustice, climate anxiety, pick your disaster, and our kids have seen it And just in the past few years. They've been exposed to an endless stream of negativity on TV, on the radio, on their phones, everywhere. Naturally, they're developing a pretty negative view of their future, as one guest summed it up. I was troubled by this story, not only because I have two daughters of my own, but because of what it means for us as a people, as a society. What happens to a society if its young people no longer hope? What happens if they lose the capacity for wonder and awe at the things to come? What happens to a people without a future? Well, I want to say our scripture reading for today is about the future. Matthew chapter 5 begins Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, and we know these first verses as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. On it goes like this, blessing after blessing, nine times. Jesus tells us that a particular group is blessed. Now, we don't need Jesus to tell us that we're blessed. 
We can see it on our coffee mugs and T-shirts and Instagram posts. Being blessed is everywhere. Now, sometimes being blessed seems like it's synonymous with living the good life. A great vacation or a great meal means you're blessed. Or it's a kind of humble brag, a way of saying you accomplished something without drawing too much attention to yourself. Got a 4.0, hashtag blessed. Washboard abs, hashtag blessed. (laughs) Maybe it's because we've lost our hope for the future that our sense of blessing seems so shallow. In the Bible, blessing is associated with health and children and crops and cattle and food. Blessing is the power of life itself, power that flows from God and flows to and through all creation. It's the power that makes the future possible. To be blessed is to have a future. So maybe in our time of pessimism and anxiety, we need to hear these words of blessing now more than ever. Now, I don't know if you were listening as we read through these Beatitudes, but we have to acknowledge that Jesus' blessings seem odd, out of step, maybe even backwards. Blessed are the poor in spirit. No, blessed are the rich in spirit, those who are full of life, brimming with confidence and optimism. Blessed are those who mourn. No, blessed are those who celebrate, whose lives are not touched by pain or loss. Blessed are the meek. No, blessed are the strong, the assertive, those who know what they want and know how to get it. But Jesus in these Beatitudes is inviting us to see the world differently. If we're trying to find out where the blessings are, he says, Look at the poor, the meek, the persecuted. Look at the people who are at the bottom, the people at the back of the line. Look at the least and the last and the lost. There is the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, how you hear these Beatitudes depends on where you stand. For the poor and the meek and the persecuted, this sounds like good news. Rejoice and be glad. Yours is the kingdom of God. And I know this is hard for us to hear, but but maybe Jesus' words are first and foremost for them, and we are just overhearing them. You know, it helps to remember that the crowds following Jesus were made up of folks who were at the bottom, the poor, social outcasts, the sick, people who were regularly racked by mourning and persecution. Even his disciples were made up of people on the edges, fishermen and tax collectors. And Jesus addresses the Beatitudes to them as a promise of God's presence and hope for the future. Now, the truth is, all of our lives are precarious. None of us can escape the occasional poverty of spirit the weight of grief, the sting of rejection. We all find ourselves brought low by life at one time or another. And so we can hear the good news of these Beatitudes. We are not alone. The future is still open. The kingdom of God belongs to us. But still, if we're honest, most of us in this room, most of the time, are pretty satisfied. And so... 
We work, and we work hard, we should say, to stay that way. And so what do the Beatitudes say to us, to those of us who maybe feel that we're already blessed? Well, maybe they're telling us that the lives of those at the bottom and those at the top are all tied together, that the way we participate in the blessing of the Beatitudes is by becoming agents of blessing ourselves. When we are poor, we are blessed. And when we are not poor, we are blessed by serving those who are. When we are mourning, we are blessed. And when we are not mourning, we are blessed by comforting those who are. When we are meek, we are blessed. And when we are not meek, we are blessed by lifting up those who are. This is how divine blessing works, flowing to and through all creation. If you can't see the blessing, maybe you are called to be the blessing. The future opens up when we remember that, and it closes down when we forget it. A long time ago, the richest man in town was, as was his custom, sleeping through morning worship. Every now and then he would almost wake up trying to get comfortable on the hard wooden bench and then sink back into a deep sleep. And one morning he woke up just long enough to hear the chanting of the Torah from Leviticus where, where God instructs the children of Israel to place 12 loaves of bread on a table in the tabernacle. When the service ended, the wealthy man woke up and, and not realizing that all he had heard was the reading from the Torah, he thought that God had come to him in his sleep and asked him personally to bring 12 loaves of bread. So he went home and baked the bread. Upon returning to the synagogue, he decided the proper place for this holy gift was alongside the Torah scrolls in the ark. So he carefully arranged the loaves, then he left. No sooner had he gone than the poorest man in town, who also happened to be the synagogue janitor, entered the sanctuary. And all alone, he spoke to God. Oh, Lord, my family is starving. We have nothing to eat. Unless you perform a miracle, we will surely perish. And then, as was his custom, he walked around tidying up the room. And when he opened the ark... There before him were 12 loaves of bread. A miracle, exclaimed the poor man. I had no idea you worked so quickly. Then he ran home to share the bread with his family. Minutes later, the rich man returned to the sanctuary, curious to know whether or not God had taken his bread. Slowly, he opened the ark and saw that the loaves were gone. My God, he shouted, you really took my bread. This is, this is wonderful. You can be sure that I'll bring another 12 loaves next week and with raisins in them too. The following week, the rich man brought a dozen loaves to the synagogue and again left them in the ark. Minutes later, the poor man entered the sanctuary. God, I don't know how to say this, but I'm out of food again. Seven loaves we ate, four we sold, one we gave to charity. But now nothing is left, and unless you do another miracle, we will surely starve. He approached the ark and slowly opened the doors. Another miracle, he cried, 12 more loaves, and with raisins too. Thank you, God. This bread 
exchange became a weekly ritual that continued for many years. And then one day the rabbi, having been detained in the sanctuary longer than usual, watched the rich man place the dozen loaves in the ark and the poor man come and take them out. And the rabbi called the men together and told them what they had been doing. I see, the rich man said. God doesn't really take my bread. I understand, the poor man said. God hasn't been providing bread for me. And they were both sad. And they feared that God would no longer be present in their lives. But the rabbi asked them to look at their hands. Your hands, he said to the rich man, are the hands of God sharing compassion. In your hands, said the rabbi to the poor man, also are the hands of God, receiving compassion and then sharing it with others. Continue baking and continue taking and sharing. Your hands are the hands of God. I'm still troubled by that NPR story, the pessimistic generation. What vision are we living? What vision are we sharing with our young people? We do live in a broken and sometimes fearful world, and in our anxiety we are sometimes tempted to believe that the only way to secure our future is to cut ourselves off from others. But the Beatitudes point us toward another possibility, that blessing is to be found not in isolation but in sharing the beauty of the earth together, that God is present in our lives when we are present to each other. Perhaps a hopeful future will be built not through hunkering down or hiding away, but through baking and taking and sharing, being the hands of God to each other. May we build that future together. Thanks be to God. Amen.